It's time for Dr. Rademacher's Prescription for Transformation. Let's tap into your own authentic genius and live the life you desire. Join Dr. Rademacher for an enlightened conversation about our brain intelligence, our body intelligence, and our energy intelligence. And now, here's your host, Dr. Bart Rademacher. I'm Dr. Bart Rademacher, and this is Prescription for Your Transformation. Real people, real conversations, and real success. And as I recently added, capable of more and capable of better. And so one of the challenges that I get to experience pretty much on a daily basis is, is the level of awareness that I have of my surroundings, my environment, and the people around me. And why is that relevant? Because it's that place of awareness and then having that ownership of what you are aware of and your participation or your role in that, that allows me to start making smart decisions. Not that I'm always making the best decisions for myself, for sure, and that's another conversation for another day. But here's, here's the challenge that I have, because as a coach, really helping people make that transformation in their lives. And the one thing that I do share with my clients, the best thing about me as their coach, I'm not them. And so I'm able to see things that they necessarily don't see. And so when somebody says to me, well, I like being in the forest, then I understand that they're not willing to do the work, take ownership of, of what they're co-creating in their lives. And sometimes what I find is that people just say, you know what? It's the, the fate of God. It's the fate of the spirit. It's whatever happens. It's, you know, and, and let me not take any responsibility in this. And, and there's a phrase that I like from Tony Robbins. He says, you know, if there's weeds in the garden, you've got to admit the fact that there are weeds in the garden. You can't just tell yourself, there's no weeds, there's no weeds, there's no weeds. I mean, there are freaking weeds in your garden. And if you want to have a beautiful, um, very, um, let's say, uh, uh, lively, thriving garden, you've got to take out the weeds. And so part of that responsibility lays on us, lies on us, where we realize we are the co-creator of our future. We don't like where we are now. We have to make different decisions. And so that's why this conversation today is so relevant with an amazing human being that has helped me significantly in making my choices in my life because of her intuition. And as a coach and a spiritual coach, and in so many different ways and, and with so many incredible connections, if you will, has the ability to see things that most people don't. But here's the thing, she's still making it my choice to move forward as I co-create that. And so I'm excited to be introducing to you once again, Olivia Audrey, in this show today. Hi, Bart. Thank you so much for having me on again. It's always a pleasure. And uh, hello to all of you uh, in the audience as well. So, so we just talked a little bit beforehand, and you, you share some very insightful aspects of our participation in our own reality. And so I'd like for you to share with us, because you've got this incredible ability to know things that other people just can't see or can't know, and then guide them and support them in their life journey in a way that makes it a lot easier for them to make the right choices. And I know you've done that with me as well. But the thing that I shared with you, and 
is the challenge that some people are just not willing to take that responsibility. And so share with us, you know, what's our role and, and how much of that guidance um, beyond can we not so much depend on, but just take for granted? Well, that's a really great question and one that actually in one way or another ends up surfacing and it, I find is at the root of all spiritual misalignment and even physical misalignment because the root of what we are as a human, even down to our physicality, is of spiritual and energetic origin. So the first fundamental that we have to understand and embrace is that we are here not by accident that we are here as a process of creation and that we came here not to be created but to to infiltrate and to encourage the creation now part of that process is the other aspect of who we are we are a very physical body we are a coalescing of cells we are organs we are thought processes we are experiences but we are also energetic beings and the larger part of who we are is not available to the visual senses. It's not auditory to us. Although we can feel it and although we can sense it is there, the larger part of who we are as a spiritual being having a human experience is in the ethers. It's multidimensional. It is not in and of this place. Because in terms of quantum physics, this chair, this desk, this computer that I'm speaking into is all created by the mind. And it's all created as a structure of a reality that we have mutually agreed upon. So whether you are talking in terms of quantum science and quantum field theory, or the very basis of pure spiritual fundamentalist beliefs, there can be no argument that there is very much a physical aspect of who we are as much as there is a spiritual aspect of who we are. And the spiritual aspect of who we are is the co-creation factor that is always interweaving with us in our daily life. So for example, we plant a seed of corn in the ground and we understand that it is our action to plant the seed of corn and we water it and we make sure that it has plenty of sunlight and we make sure that there are no weeds in the garden. But at some point, we sort of give it up to a bigger process. And that bigger process is nature, is the weather, are the different elements and the different soil nutrients that are going to cultivate and grow and ultimately manifest that delicious crop of corn. However, if we were to take that seed of corn and we were to simply open our window and throw it out the door and let the winds of change do what they will with it, there's a very slim possibility that ultimately we would end up with a successful crop or that we would end up with something that bear a lot of fruit and um, a lot of physical manifestation. Very, very similar concept in terms of when we are illustrating and orchestrating our desires in what we want to the universe. So the universe is more than willing to play and to exchange with us and to help us co-create absolutely whatever it is that we want, but we have to be a willing participant. Participant being the operative word there, meaning that the, the be-all and end-all step is not simply communicating what we want and letting that corn fly into the breeze and land in the woods or in a swamp. It's placing our desires, placing our intentions with intention 
in the appropriate environment and then cultivating it. And we cultivate it through mindfulness, we cultivate it through diet, we cultivate it through energy, through making sure that we are ultimately staying in alignment with our truth, whatever that is. And that can change, by the way, from day to day and you know, decade to decade that we are here on this earth. But making sure that we are the consummate gardeners of the seeds that we are planting in the universe. So, so what you're saying, and if I understand you correctly, and I am in full agreement of it as well, is that you've got a, an idea of where you want to go in life. You have a desire. You have a wish. You have an outcome. Is one of the operational words that, that I like to use. And then, you know, you, you go to work. And based on your work and the results that, that occur, then you kind of determine, am I doing the right thing or not? Realizing that you're a microcosm in the macrocosm. And so the macrocosm is definitely going to have a very significant impact on you, such that at some point it may work or it may not. And at that point, then you can make that decision for yourself. Well, okay, you know what? This is the, the outcome that's supposed to happen. It, it's failed. You know, let me learn from this and perhaps continue with a different approach or perhaps maybe do something else. But not completely or not, not in any shape or form abdicate your role in manifesting your life. Yeah, that's absolutely correct. So we have to understand, and part of the difficult thing about that process, and it's very universal across the board, is that we have to take accountability and responsibility for our role in it. Now, co-creating with the universe is a natural process. That's going to happen whether you're aware of it or not, or whether you are you know, in it or not. It's going to happen. It's sort of like gravity in that way. You are already creating your life. You may as well do it intentionally. But part of that intention and part of that intentionality is that you have to be responsible and accountable for not only what you're putting out there in terms of your verbal dialogue with the universe and with yourself, but as well as your mental and even your physical dialogue with the universe and with yourself. And then from that point, you do have to do a certain amount of, I hate to call it work, but alignment. Because there's a really big difference between efforting, which we tend to think of, you know, when we're, when we're talking about reaching a goal or, you know, hitting a number or, or any of these, you know, sort of old um, paradigm ideas that are very common in corporate America and, you know, and in our culture overall. But there is also alignment, which is really staying in your center and it's staying in that space of love and of kindness and of joy. And staying in alignment certainly doesn't mean that you're not going to have bad days. It doesn't mean that you're not going to have setbacks. It certainly does not mean that everything's going to work out for you the first time that you attempt it, because quite often that's not the way that things play out. However, the key in aligning is that when you experience a setback or when you experience something that you feel like you take a hit for, you allow yourself to take that hit and you bounce. And the bounce back is where you learn to really uh, converse with the universe and you converse with 
the plan B and you understand that the plan B was always the plan A and it's really the adaptability factor and the adaptability factor is something that I talk about with my clients a lot because it is the number one key component in really all aspects of species evolution but specifically if you're gonna be spiritually strong and you're gonna cut your spiritual teeth in this world that can be really desensitized and really tough to take at times then you need to understand that for sure there's going to be a hit you're going to take it at some point but it's so important that you understand the value of that hit the value of that plan b you take the bounce and then you move forward you know that's so so well put because you know problems are inevitable in life i mean that is what life is all about and I liken it to, you know, driving on a freeway. Say you've got eight lanes on a freeway and you're in a hurry to get to, to a certain place. But, you know, let's say that three of those lanes are blocked. And so oftentimes you'll find people, they're just stuck in one lane. They're only they're stuck in one paradigm with one idea. And, and therefore, they don't get to their destination. And once again, they're, like you said, you've got to be flexible. And, and there is a law, a law of nature, it's called the law of requisite variety. And that law simply states, you know, the system that is most flexible always wins. Mm -hmm. And so, again, I liken it to a story if you have like five friends and, you know, you're going out to dinner and you've got to decide, okay, where are we going to go? So one person says, look, I only eat Chinese food. And the other person says, I only eat Italian. And the other person says, I only eat Greek. Well, now you've got a problem, but the, the final person, fourth or fifth person says, oh, I can eat anything. So that, you know, flexibility that they have <clears throat> makes them succeed. And, and truthfully, <clears throat> when you have more choices, then you can be happier. But here's, here's the interesting part <clears throat> in all of this. And it's, it's really about, you know, we are wired in a certain way. And, and this neurology, if you will, is um, acquired. And it's acquired with the culture that we, we grew up in, with the people that we grew up in, with all the distractions of, of, that, of modern day that are, you know, that we're bombarded with. And so what then happens is, and I, and I find this oftentimes in, in coaching, and, and I liken it to the phrase that I like to use, is you know we're victims of misconceptions and so there's a misconception that we're not good enough or that we're going to be rejected and so there's that fear that says look i can't be responsible for this i don't want to be i don't want to be um accused if you will of getting it wrong and therefore i'm just going to ignore it and therefore i think too often people can't move forward and just simply blame, you know, nature or spirit, spirit that, okay, well, it's just how it is. And, and they don't see what you're asking them to do is fall down, bounce back, or bounce back, or no, fall down, learn from this, bounce back, and try something else. Mm. That's so true. And I think that, you know, that's one of the things that, people really express to me the most about spirituality is that they feel as though it's such a significant and important and resonant part of who they are. And so they, by human nature, I think, want to explore that and they want to find out about intuition. They want to find out about 
who am I and what is my purpose and, and, and why do I see these synchronicities, whether it be numbers on a clock or animals, any of the ways in which the universe plays with us and communicates with us. But then what happens is that they will, you know, innately experience the death of a loved one or uh, the loss of a job or the dissolution of a, of a relationship. And they think, gosh, why is the universe punishing me or why is God punishing me? And I always remind them that even though they may not want to understand it or accept it at this moment, there is no punishment and reward in the universe. There is only co-creation. There is only manifestation. There is only attraction. So if you look at anything in terms of particles in nature, like begets like. And so the vibration, as far as the mental food that you are feeding yourself is going to attract the situations and the people and the conditions and circumstances that you are emitting. And I think that that really is the first sign that somebody's still in that old paradigm of thinking when they begin to think that they will be punished for one action and praised for another. That's simply not the way that the universe works. And that's certainly not the way that, um, you know, the, the universe responds. The universe responds to what we believe and more importantly, what we feel about what we believe. So oftentimes people will say to me, I want to do this spiritual work, but I don't feel like I can make a good living or I don't feel like, you know, it's something that I could be successful at. And that's a very valid belief to them. And to which I always say, then it shall be so. Because if that is your emotive belief, outside of your cognitive belief, if you feel that, and that is really your stumbling block, then the universe will respond to that by presenting you with numerous obstacles and numerous circumstances and examples of people that project that so that it will further reinforce that belief. And then people will come back to me and they'll say, see, I knew it. Look here and here and here. And this person doesn't have it. And this person doesn't have it. And this is what happened with this person. And it's not that the universe is providing proof to them. They are emitting a belief, which is then being responded back to. However, the inverse can also be true. So if you can find the emotion of abundance, if you can find the emotion of waking up in the morning, and what would that feel like to be in love with your career, completely fulfilled, and what is the abundance factor, the dollars and cents and the money, the success aspect of what you're doing, whatever that is, have to do with how you live your life and how you feel first thing in the morning. Would that give you a greater sense of freedom? Well, you can reach for that feeling now and feel that feeling of freedom and fulfillment now. Does it give you a greater sense of security? There are other elements in your life that you can feel that security now. And so the first step in the process is that I bring them through reaching for the emotions that they think can only be attached to one specific outcome and by having them experiencing that now. Because before very long, they will then begin to see signs and evidence and proof of the opposite of their existing beliefs. You know, it's interesting you say that um, on several different levels. And as an example, and anybody who's listening in, if they know the, um, the video where you, you're seeing these you know, four or five uh, individuals and they're throwing a ball to each other, 
and then the um, request is, you know, or the the um, the, the uh, assignment is count the number of times that they throw the ball to each other, and then what's fascinating, and I felt felt trapped to this as well because I really want to make sure <coughs> I I won. And but during that video, then you see this gorilla walking through between the players. But when you're so focused on just counting the number of times the ball was thrown, you actually don't see the gorilla. And most people don't see the gorilla. It's the funniest thing. And, and are you know, do you know the video I'm talking about? I'm not familiar, but I'm aware of the theory that, you know, what, what is known as a precognitive commitment. So in our brains, we have already made, before the thought is even fully able to be expressed to us, we've already made the decision that something ends a certain way or that there's going to be a certain series of events which plays out in a specific trajectory that's going to get us X result. And so our brains automatically adapt to that. Um, and I always love the analogy that is used that you know, when, when the Spanish first came to the Americas, mm -hmm. that they were literally taking their first steps on the shore before the natives were able to see them, to see these conquistadors. And the reason that is, is because in their mind, they had no point of reference to compare that to. So in their minds, men and clipper ships and people that looked that way simply didn't exist because they had no precognitive commitment to it. So I think the power of the human mind has, you know, certainly been one of the most vastly studied, but, um, you know, certainly severely misunderstood because I think that we can accredit so much to what our minds can achieve when, it, when it's in a really linear space of structure. But the mind can also work backwards and limit us in ways that we may not even be aware of simply because we've already made the commitment to a specific belief pattern or process. You know, and, and, the, and well said, and the reason I bring that up, because that's something that can be easily monitored or um, influenced, I guess, in our own awareness, just, just that simple fact. But it goes way beyond that, and I, and I believe that's what you're, you were insinuating earlier as to how the universe does conspire with you to realize, you know, the direction or the energy that you, you're putting out. And I, I think it's, it's really quite, you know, relevant that, you know, take as an example, you know, the most successful people in the world you ask them, you know, what's the secret of their success? And, and they say, it's gratitude. And so in my book, you know, 52 Week Success Plan, you know, very first chapter is about gratitude. And what I write there is, I basically write that the science behind the, the effects of what gratitude is. And it really helps your, your whole body, your whole soul, your whole spirit, you know, be in alignment with everything within. And, but more importantly, as I phrased it, it's basically you're saying yes to the universe, is you're acknowledging what's wonderful, whatever that might be, and you're basically saying yes to the universe. So, so not only is it your focus, but it's also that energy that you give out. And, and I want to share something a little bit about that in a moment. And so it's interesting, and I learned this the other day from one of the coaches that uh, I'm learning from. Uh, his name is actually Brian Johnson. 
And he mentioned that, you know, he does his routine. He works out in the morning. He does the trail and everything else. And then he actually hurt himself. He climbed up, you know, whatever it was he was climbing up, and he fell down. And then he broke his arm at multiple places. And so rather than being really upset with the fact that you know, he broke his arm and now it's going to affect, you know, his desire to be, you know, world-class athlete, he chose a different um, thought. And that thought was, wow, I got lucky. I could have, you know, uh, uh, got a concussion or I could have broken my neck. And so we're too wired to see what's wrong. And, and I understand where that comes from rather than seeing what's right. And I think as soon as we just adapt and adopt that strategy and, and find out what's right with the situation, um, rather than complaining about it and realizing that every moment, kind of what you were suggesting earlier, is really a gift, a gift for us to experience, to learn from, to grow, to expand, and then to give back. And one more thing I want to share, because I think this is really relevant. And I'm not sure where science is with this, but when we look at our DNA, I guess it's only about 97% um, of our DNA is unknown. We don't know what it's for. Mm. And so the suggestion is, and a very fascinating suggestion, it's, it's sort of like the Einstein-Rosenberg bridge. It's that <coughs> wormhole that connects different parts of the universe. And so the thinking there, and I think this came potentially from Greg Braden, I'm not sure, I might, I might be misquoting, mm. but he would be someone who would talk about that, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Where, yeah, that's where we're connected energetically. So whatever it is that we're thinking, whatever it is that we're feeling, you know, is transferred way beyond us, whether it's people in front of us. And I've certainly noticed that with myself. In, in the environment, in the intense environments that I have been working as a surgeon, um, I know that I've, I've transferred my thoughts to some others, and, but it's also long distance, and, and I know you're mm -hmm. totally into that. What, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I think it's a really interesting concept to a lot of people that don't fully understand it, but it's a really compelling science to those of us that have been using it and have been employing these tactics. Now, one of the most um, widely documented uses of what we call astral projection or what we call, um, you know, TM, so transcendental meditation, that sort of takes it a step further is that there is a great deal of history with Native American tribes that when they had a war party or when they had a hunting party and one of their warriors would get lost on the plains, they would collectively gather and they would all enter into this meditative state and they would go into the plane or into the elevated aspect of existence and they would simultaneously seek him out and locate where he was and this was their technique for locating their wounded hunter or warrior or finding him in the midst of the vast uh, plains or woodlands or wherever it was that they happened to be and so it's a technique that I think as sort of fringe as it can seem to some people is a really innate process of many many ancient cultures now I do believe that thought is the most important and powerful aspect of our existence here on this earth. 
But thought is really comprised of two things. So thought is comprised of belief and emotion. So beliefs are thoughts that we keep thinking repetitively over and over again. And the thought really formulates when we match our emotion. And how does that make us feel? What does that trigger within us? Because the emotive power of the heart is about five times greater if we're measuring electromagnetic waves than that of the brain. So it's really more about what we feel about what we think than what we think about what we feel. So if we can rewire our brains to understand that that's the biggest broadcast that we're communicating to the universe, it becomes very easy to sort of, A, take stock and become aware of what we are projecting out to the universe, but B, to also begin to change that because the way that we feel about something is usually based on pre-existing thought processes. When we can first understand that there is value in any negative situation, in any contrast that we may be experiencing in our life, um, it begins to shift not only our thoughts and our emotions about it, but also what we are sending out into the universe because it's a very real thing that what we are projecting out not only changes and affects future events, but it also can interplay into the way that present and even past events are unfolding. Because again, in terms of quantum science, past, present, and future are all really happening simultaneously. And there's a lot of really interesting and compelling information that's coming out recently concerning genetics and concerning how our belief processes infiltrate our genetic systems. If we grow up seeing our mother and our grandmother exhibit symptoms of diabetes and suffering with that, and our belief system and our precognitive commitment is that we will one day get diabetes, we can literally turn on or off disease processes in our body. And as we turn on or off disease processes, Obviously, that affects our emotive processes as well. So there's a really big interplay concerning what we're thinking and feeling, even for a momentary basis, and how that projects out, not just immediately, but for years and years and years to come. And I read an experiment that was done probably 15 years ago, uh, not to date myself, but um, when I was in school that, that talked about the readings that they were getting in terms of seismic waves and the Earth's magnetic field. So these are the waves that are very scientific. They're measured when we have, you know, earthquakes and things of that nature. And there were two times that the Earth's seismic waves saw the most generous spike in human history. And the first was on 9-11. And the other was when Princess Diana was killed. Mm. And so we saw this energetic sort of outcry from an emotive process that we were all feeling worldwide and from the empathy that we were all holding. But yet, it very scientifically, very tangibly, very physically affected the projection of not just individual selves, but Earth's translation and earth's communication with the universe so it's a much much bigger concept than um than people believe or or that many people have have explored but it's certainly one that i see at the forefront of science moving forward in the next five to ten years 
You know, and I think that's an important realization if, if we're to understand uh, this whole idea of, of um, our connection, our individual connection, you know, with our planet and, and how so often people are just simply taking it, you know, for granted and, and really just essentially raping this planet of, of its mm. essence. And, you know, I, I like the idea of discussing, you know, climate change. Um, I don't think it's a doomsday thing yet. And I think it's inappropriate to, to, to have a narrative that is also very misleading. But the truth is, is different. And what is different is that we have to begin to be smart about that, but in a way that no one is really talking about more, but and more the way that you're talking about. And so, which leads me to that question, um, you know, as you're talking about, uh, you know, our ancestors and the ancients or the tribes um, and how they seem to be able to be more connected uh, with the cosmos, with the universe, with energy, with maybe call it alternate realities, if you will. And so, you know, what is it that really happened for us to lose that? Is, is it really because at the time of the Renaissance, you know, the, the, the church said, look, there has to be division between the head and the body, you know, or was it simply that um, this, this greed uh, to get more scientific knowledge and technology to amass, you know, personal wealth that kind of took over and so that we lost that connection, um, you know, with with our planet, with the universe, and and all these beautiful um, spaces that we could actually be in. Hmm. Well, I think I think it's it's such an important question, and I think it's a really um, I think it's such a multifaceted topic. But I do believe that one of the biggest causations for that is because we have become desensitized as human beings to our own empathy. And for the longest time, we were existing in a civilization that really prized the sort of sublimation of the divine feminine and, and that empathic and that nurturing aspect of who we are. So for example, you know, hitting like a girl and running like a girl and throwing like a girl became a really negative thing um, because we needed civilizations of soldiers. We were in the industrial age. You know, we were, we were creating armies and all of these things. And it really has been in recent times where we have begun to really take a look at what aspect of the divine feminine in all of us needs to be nurtured as well as holding space for the divine masculine, but understanding that there is duality in each and every one of us and in male and female. And I think that it really comes from not honoring both aspects of self right. and, and that self as well being our natural environment as well. Greed has certainly played a significant and, uh, and sad part in that. But I, I don't think that we would be able to tolerate the amount of greed, whether it be by pharmaceutical industries or, um, you know, natural resources companies, if we were truly in alignment and if we were truly honoring both aspects of who we are and, and of our evolution. In terms of theology, and this is across the board in any religion, all of us begin um, androgynous. So, so we begin embodying both aspects of male and female, and we are neither. 
in the beginning. And this is something that all religions can agree upon. Um, but yet we've lost that understanding that we have to equally honor both aspects of who we are and, and really drop down into our empathy as human beings and as sentient beings um, on this earth. And I think what you said was so significant about climate change and um, the fact that, you know, our earth is certainly changing and there's scientific evidence to, uh, to support that as well. And the rotation of our earth has, has sped up and the earth has shifted on its axis. All of these things that are very easily measured. Um, but I always look at the earth in the same way that I look at the human body. And if you're looking at somebody that has an autoimmune illness or someone that um, is experiencing an autoimmune reaction, the first thing that we have to look at is what within that person are they at war with within themselves? Mm -hmm. And we have to quiet that storm first before we begin the healing process. And the same is true within the earth. I feel like the earth is really expressing to us that there is certainly an imbalance. And obviously that is chemical and that's um, pollution and that's, you know, overpopulation. But that I also believe that the earth is such a significant, strong and um, yeah. evolutionary powerhouse that it will and can know what to do to rectify itself. Because the earth is really the macrocosm of the human body. And so if we can understand it in that way, we have to find ways to neutralize the imbalance within us as inhabitants of the earth, within ourselves, and that's where it begins, and then replicate that externally in the earth. Um, because certainly, you know, this, um, this entire debate over climate change, even though it is about something that is so negatively impacting the planet, it's also given birth to some really, really provocative discussions where we are asking questions and we are challenging old belief systems and paradigms in ways that we never have before. And that really recycles back to my previous comment about even in detrimental situations, we are finding value in that contrast because it is giving birth to something better and it is giving birth to something new that needed to happen. You know, and... and 100 percent and and i would add two things that i know that are dear to your heart as well is that you know rather than you know being at war at odds in conflict you know with everyone um and just being single-minded you know with their beliefs and and judgment of others you know it's about co-creating with others it's about collaborating with others and also, you now you like this, you know, taking pause, taking a moment just to mm -hmm. meditate on, just to, you know, just have that sense of, okay, where, where am I fitting in in the entire, you know, cosmos? And, and, and having appreciation of that connection and then coming from that place of groundedness and awareness and, and self-empowerment and co-creation to say, okay, great. <laughs> let's not fight let's figure this out it's not so much that i'm right and you're wrong or you're wrong and i'm right you know it's like this is for all of us and mm. part of the reason actually for this interview series is my my desire my outcome to tap into the collective wisdom and create a space of generative collaboration 
where we have the voices coming together and where we get to listen to them and, and listen to, and, and sense the authenticity of the conversation without judgment and, and asking yourself, what can I actually learn from this? Now, how can I become a better person uh, out of this? As much as I may not agree or like what somebody says, but having that discourse and working together to make that happen, because that's the only way that it's going to happen. And I think you're right. I mean, it's, it's the, the divine feminine is coming back. And, you know, we've gone through the zone of convergence. We've gone through the equator of the galaxy. And so the energies are shifting again. And now it's more the, the matriarchal uh, influence is becoming stronger and stronger, which is what we need to, for nature and to nurture our planet. Absolutely. And, and that's so well said. I think that, you know, interestingly enough, the more that we have seen the suppression of the divine feminine within males and females, it's also given rise to more and more generations where, um, you know, younger generations are questioning their own sexuality and they're really sort of asking themselves some really deep and provocative questions and refusing to identify with one gender or the other and regardless of how people feel about that um i always like to you know bring up the scientific fact that we are becoming um less and less fertile as a species so the human race um is really not as much as it seems we have overpopulation we are not replicating in the way that we once did due to hormonal issues um, and possibly sociological but we are our fertility rates and our appropriation rates are really rapidly dwindling so it's interesting that as the earth is really um, you know experiencing these effects that we hormonally are seeing them as well um, in our bodies which I just think is such a fascinating link and really such strong evidence that the first and foremost step that we can take in changing the earth's atmosphere and changing, you know, the way that the planet is responding to climate demands and climate change is within our own selves. And I think that energetically that's the first step that we can and should take. And that's one we can take immediately. So, so what would your first step be, not for yourself or not for someone like me, but, you know, somebody who is new to all of this, you know, how, how would you uh, inspire them or what would you say to them so that they understand that, that it's now their responsibility as well to start making better choices? Well, I think that the first um, sort of inventory that someone can take is to really be honest with themselves about um, the way that they're living their life every day. So how does it feel to simply exist in their life? And how does, um, you know, being a participant in their life feel to them? Does it feel like this is something that's fulfilling and rewarding and something that, you know, they are actively taking um, a role in? Or does it feel like, Life is just sort of happening to them and that they're very frustrated, very unfulfilled, um, and overall very discontent. So if it's the latter, then you really have to start asking yourself some really important and really honest questions about what are the things that are important to you. And I think that when we do that individually, there's energetic immediate repercussions in the world around us and certainly the way that we interact with each other as human beings. But 
I always begin people with that first step because until you can have that honest dialogue with yourself about how does my life really feel, um, you know, there's sort of nowhere to go in, until that question is answered. But when it gets answered and when you can give yourself a really honest inventory about the things that are important to you, not what was important to you five years ago, not what is important to your spouse or to your friend or to your parents, but what really resonates with you um, as emotional importance and, and fulfillment out of this life, then you will be amazed at how within a matter of hours, the things that you have designated as being important to you will begin to be reverberated back to you from the universe and you will begin to see evidence of that universal response. So that's the first thing is to have that open um, dialogue with yourself and have a really honest conversation. The second step is to observe and always take a day of observation. This doesn't mean that you're taking a vow of silence. It simply means that in times where you would normally react, respond, maybe even conversate with someone, go to a public place and just sort of observe people's behaviors, observe what people are doing. Try and really empathically feel what it's like to be in that person's life for them. Imagine what their family is like. Imagine what their day is like. Really try to understand the gravity of what life is for them and put yourself in their shoes. You can go to a park, you can go to a coffee shop. There's loads of places where you could have this experience. But it's really important because perspective is a huge game changer. And the way that we gain perspective is we look at things from a different angle. And the only way that we can sometimes do that is by having full empathy and objectification for somebody else's life and the life that they're living, really seeing it from an objective perspective and saying, okay, I know what my life is like and I have all of these you know, things that have happened and I have all of these emotions, et cetera. But what is somebody else going through and really trying to feel that and try that on for size can be really transformative. Yeah, I, I like that. And, and it, it's, it requires you know, someone coming from the place of, non-judgment and just you know being curious and um and having that curiosity and asking yourself okay how does this impact me how does it impact them how does it impact others and then potentially you know having the realization that you know i myself can make better better choices and you know no different than what gandhi says you do the change that you want to see in the world and so recognizing perhaps you know, how people are doing things that you can be critical of, judgmental too, if you will, and mm -hmm. then understand, hmm, maybe that's just a confession about myself. And so yes. recognizing at that moment that, okay, well, maybe I can make a difference. But here, here's what's interesting. And, and about 15 years ago, <coughs> I set out on a path because at that time, you know, the only person that was on TV was Wayne Dyer. And not Wayne Dyer, um, what's his name? The Dr. Phil. Yes, yeah, Dr. Um, Phil. Not Wayne Dyer, he's awesome, or was. Um, so um, I, I've lost you there for a second. There you go. Oh. You're, you're back again. So um, <laughs> what I was, what I was, so, so many years ago, um, I embarked on this interesting path because at that time it was only Dr. Phil, and he had broken into a market of personal transformation but there's a lot of drama and, and all that kind of stuff and so i was hoping to bring something else in that and so we started a, a 
um, the program was like a one minute uh, motivational minute. And so the idea was to syndicate that and have that as instead of commercials, you know, just one minute about doing something. What can you do to improve your life? And but we don't see any of that even today, where we have a program where it's just small excerpts here or there, just reminding us, you know, have you ever thought of this or have you ever thought of that or could you do this or could you do that? Because the challenge that I that I find, and and this is you know very much evident in my life and still is, and quite honestly for everyone else in this planet, is that what you don't know that you don't know is what's going to make the whole difference in your life. And so it's a matter of being exposed to the kind of information that was, is transformative. But where do you find that? Unless you're a student like myself, and I know you are too, and going out there and asking the questions and finding the people and constantly getting coached or going to programs or everything else, you're not going to expand. You're not going to learn. And so, you know, my hope is that one day we find, you know, a – a habit in our culture that says, okay, it's time to find out what else I can do right now to improve my life and that of others. Absolutely. I agree. And I think that, you know, we've sadly gotten away from self-awareness in, um, in our society. And I think that it's, we've become a culture of people that expects instant gratification. And as you know, you know, from your own life experience, um, self, self growth is just not something that works that way. And you really can't skip a step. So I think we've sort of cheated the process in that way. And there is a repercussion for doing that as well is that we're left with the lack of fulfillment of really experiencing that and feeling that and going through that necessary juncture of life. And so, you know, I think that what you're doing with this program and as well as your coaching, is just so valuable because it really gives people an opportunity to see a different perspective. And I think that that's what we all hope to accomplish, you know, as coaches and, and gurus and, um, you know, doing interviews and things of that nature and being spokespeople for, um, for this expansion. Certainly myself is that I just want to remind people um, that there's more to see, that there is an entire universe that there's an entire existence that we should be encouraging and not negating and not turning our backs to because there's so much that's available to us there and that can be the absolute difference you know and and the truth too is and very well said by the way and the truth too is is that you know we don't necessarily have to look around us to find the answers or look into the future for the answers i think a lot of the answers are in the past and mm. with those amazing human beings uh, like uh, Buddha, uh, Hare Krishna, you know, Lao Tzu, you know, Jesus Christ, you know, there, there's so much wisdom, um, you know, in that. And, you know, you, you read the works of Rumi, for example, and, and, you know, some of the statements are so relevant today and they're relevant then and relevant even now. And so a cool project that I'm, that I'm, working you know, with some wonderful human beings as well. And I, and I hope to bring you in this, and I think we've talked about this before, is really connecting, you know, with the old tribes and this country, mm. and other countries, 
And it seems that the universal theme, and I know this of, of three different areas, you know, the, the US, Mexico, and New Zealand, that the prophecies have said, look, you know, we will all come back and we will share our wisdom and our secrets when the time is right. And it sounds like, uh, you know, and I hear this often uh, over and over again, that this is now the time. And so part of the things that I'm hoping to orchestrate is, you know, finding that space where we can really learn from our ancestors, you know, from the wisdom that they've kept um, and just so that they would uh, be preserved and not be uh, modified by technology and science and, you know, industrial revolution and guess, I guess, modern progress, if you will, which is sometimes the opposite. And so, um, it's time. It's time that we begin to listen to the old wise ones and to really appreciate you know, how we can recalibrate this planet and recalibrate ourselves and our, our uh, communities and our countries so that we begin to work together in a very well-aligned and collaborative way. I agree. And I always, you know, advocate that when things seem to have become too complicated, typically what you need to do is peel back the layers and go back to the beginning and go back to the origins. So I think that the work with the tribes and with the you know original tribes is, is so important because they are, as you said, the keepers of the wisdom. And so we can um, outlearn ourselves on occasion. I think that that's a classic case of what has happened to us um, as residents of planet earth certainly and so i think that going back and re-simplifying um, even our belief systems is absolutely um, a necessary step so talking about the past now we can talk about the present you know, how do we get to tap into your wisdom because i know you've got all sorts of programs and other resources that are available as you slowly wrap up uh, share with us how we connect with you um, things that you can help us with Sure. So I offer one-on-one -on -one coaching um, and mentorship. I also give lectures. I do a lot of corporate trainings um, and I do what are called micro meditations for the purposes of corporate trainings. And I've worked with some really big companies that are very progressive, such as Lemaire, Estee Lauder, Nordstrom, um, Neiman Marcus, just to name a few. And they're really, really at the forefront of changing the experience of the consumer as well as um, wanting us as a society but us as individuals to have a different purpose here on this earth so it so it's really about having the full sensory experience and so i've been very lucky in that way um, you can reach me by um, contacting me via my website which is www.oliviaaudrey.com o-l-i-v-i-a-a-u-d-r-e-y.com you can also find me on instagram at i am olivia audrey or on facebook at um, olivia audrey so those are just a few of the resources um, and i do offer one-on-one -on -one coaching um, consults um, and workshops as well so i do weekend retreats um, and i actually have a couple of them coming up 
um, later this summer and this fall, which I'm really excited about. But I'm, I'm blessed and I'm grateful to do this work and to be able to help facilitate hopefully some of that change with people such as yourself. Awesome. I love it. And I know it's been very transformative for me. You know, sometimes we just need that little extra insight and wisdom, support, whatever you want to call that. And that's certainly something that you've helped me with. And it's, and it's allowed me to, even with more empowerment, move forward with in the big mission that I have in this, uh, in this life, in this planet, in this space, in this energy, you know, however you want to define it. And so I'm eternally grateful for you for that. And I know that you've impacted so many other people in a wonderful way. So Olivia, thank you so much for today. And um, I am Dr. Bart Rademacher, prescription for your transformation. Real people, real conversations, and real success. Talking with Olivia Audrey about capable of more and capable of better. Thank you so much, and we'll be back very soon. Thanks for listening to Dr. Rademacher's Prescription for Transformation. Join Dr. Bart Rademacher live right here on StarWorldWideNetworks.com or on demand 24-7.